and welcome to the Actually Making a Difference podcast, the show about starting, growing, and marketing your purpose-led business. No magic wands, no false promises, just simple, straightforward, and honest advice based on decades of experience. I'm your host, Sarah Price, and you are ready to actually make a difference. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Actually Making a Difference podcast, the one-stop shop you need to help you to get your impact business up, running and growing. And this is the final of three episodes in which we're talking about PR and media coverage. And I'm just hoping you can hear me above the wailing wind and the monsoon rain that is currently assailing my house in Deal on the Kent Coast. If you've been listening to these episodes, you know now why PR is a useful tool and could be a really great part of your marketing mix as you seek to promote your purpose-led business. And you know the importance of the hook, the reason why your story needs to be written now and not in six months' time. And you understand that your story needs to tick at least four out of the five elements of the truth filter. Today, we're going to look at the bit that scares most people the most, pitching to journalists. Now, for the purposes of this episode, I'm going to have to make some assumptions and keep this simple. So let's assume you have your story idea and you're going to be pitching your story to the press, as in the printed press, the Guardian, the Telegraph, or, you know, one of the local papers. Much of what I'm about to say applies equally to online media and also to broadcast media. But for the sake of simplicity, let's just focus on traditional press. Before we get into how to pitch, I want you to think carefully about what it is that scares you most about potentially pitching to a journalist. If it does, it doesn't scare everybody, but it's the most common objection that I hear in my community about why they won't do PR. Is it being rejected? Is it being ridiculed? Is it wasting your time? Whatever it is, I want you to think really carefully about it and ask yourself a simple question. Is that fear A, genuine and B, worth avoiding one of the channels that could be most useful for you in reaching your audience and building your credibility? Because here's the thing, visibility is the price you pay for being in business. There is no version of marketing and growing your business that does not require you to be visible in some way. And the risk of visibility is always going to be that somebody will take a pot shot at you. But if you follow the advice in these three episodes, you should have a good story that is worth pitching which minimises the risk of being rejected and ridiculed. And I want you to remember something. Journalists aren't mythical monsters. They're just like you and me, very busy people with multiple demands on their time. So the most important thing, don't waste their time. Okay, pitching. Now, like most things in marketing and PR, 
it's not actually that complicated. Please do not tell the PR brethren that I have shared that information or I will be expelled. PR, in my opinion, is simply the ruthless application of common sense combined with some simple consideration for the demands on a busy journalist's time. And once you have the right story, you've really already done the hardest part. The pitch itself comes down to three things. Pitching to the right person at the right time and with the right approach. Luckily, none of that is rocket science. So let's start with the right person. There are two possibilities here, two ways of going about that. The first is you find the right person, the right journalist for each story individually. And if your story is good enough, this can absolutely work. The second option is that you draw up a short list of journalists who are going to have an interest in your specific area or in the kinds of stories that you are likely to want to pitch in the future and you develop a relationship with them. Now, depending on the kinds of stories you want to write and the sort of business you have, you are often much more likely to get a look in with this approach. Because remember, journalists are just like you and me. They're much more likely to open an email or listen to a voice message or answer the phone to someone they know as opposed to a total stranger. It's a really good example of this is my wonderful friend and erstwhile colleague, Julie. Julie is the driving force behind a campaign organisation that is designed to save the heritage Turkish baths in Carlisle. And when she began the campaign, Julie and her colleagues drew up a shortlist of journalists that they thought might be interested in stories about the campaign and about the baths. One of the people on their shortlist was Helen Prid, the North of England editor at The Guardian. And sure enough, Julie approached her with a story probably about 18 months, maybe even two years ago. At the time, it wasn't quite right for Helen. It wasn't quite right for The Guardian. But Julie consistently stayed in touch with Helen over the months and years that followed. Until eventually, not that long ago, Julie came up with a story idea that Helen Prid was really interested in and which resulted in a visit to the baths by Helen and a photographer and a full page spread in The Guardian. So either find the right person for each story individually or get that short list of journalists designed and built up and start developing relationships with them. Either way, be careful who you select. Now, I could Google education at The Guardian and come up with a lot of journalists who appear to be relevant. But it's only through research and reading the paper that I know Richard Adams, for example, is the editor and is only interested in big news stories, policy, politics that's going to affect directly the education sector. It's only through reading the paper that I know Fiona Miller has not actually written a story for the education part of The Guardian or an education-focused story since about July 2022, but she's still on their books and her focus is still on education. 
It's only because I read the paper that I know Rachel Hall is an education reporter listed in the education team at The Guardian, but that she also covers general news issues and seems to focus mainly on university stories when she does write educational pieces. That leaves Sally Wheel. Sally Wheel is the main education correspondent at The Guardian. And if you look at her backlog of stories, back catalogue of stories even, you'll see that she has a real focus on schools and universities. And she's probably the most prolific of the education team. You'd also know from reading the paper that there are a range of freelancers who also cover education and periodically write for The Guardian. How can you be sure you're pitching your story to the right person? Research and read the paper. Stay up to date. Journalists move jobs just as much as the next person, if not more. So you want to ensure that your knowledge and understanding of your shortlist of journalists is well up to date. So what's the right time to pitch? Well, it depends on the story and when you want it to appear. You are most likely to be what we call soft news. Soft news, a feature maybe, or an opinion piece. So your story is essentially the most flexible part of the paper and the most likely to be moved around or squeezed if there's a big news story going on. For example, I don't know, if the Queen dies. So my advice is pitch as early as you can and be prepared to be very flexible about when the coverage appears. But if you are absolutely insistent that your story has to appear on a specific day, then the most important thing to remember is that editorial meetings will decide what goes in the paper. And these take place on different days at different times, depending on whether you're aiming for a daily national paper or a local weekly paper, or a monthly magazine. A journalist is going to need to accept your idea, do a little bit of basic research, and then pitch it to the editorial meeting to get the go-ahead. So if you want your story to appear in, I don't know, Wednesday's edition of The Guardian, you want to have pitched that story to a journalist before the editorial meeting on the Tuesday at the very, very latest. And most daily nationals, their editorial meeting is around 10 o'clock in the morning, which means in an ideal world, you want to have pitched it the day before that, or by eight, nine o'clock in the morning at the latest. So we've talked about the right person and we've talked about the right time. Then the most important bit, the right approach. What does that look like? To press release or not to press release? That is the first question. If it's a news story, so if it's a story that has a specific time frame within which it has to be written, then write a press release. If not, if it's a feature or an opinion idea or a first person story, then write a brief story outline. Why? Well, it's a useful reference for you. If a journalist is interested in your initial pitch and wants more detail, you've got something that you can send them in the form of a follow-up email. If it's carefully drafted, you can copy and paste your release or your story outline into your initial approach. 
For a time-strapped journalist, it's really useful to have all the information to hand in one place before they go zooming into that editorial meeting. Remember also that if you're pitching to the local, regional or trade press, then I've lost count of how many times I have seen press releases pasted verbatim into the local or trade press, mainly because journalists working on these titles have very little time and very little resource. So a well-written press release can be an absolute godsend to a time-pressured journalist. And there's another couple of reasons why writing a release or writing a story outline is going to be a useful exercise for you. It will help you to get complete clarity on your story and work out whether it is in fact a good story. If you can't find ways to make your release interesting and relevant to a journalist, then the chances are you need to go back to the drawing board. Plus, at the end of the day, a press release or a story outline is content, and content is king. You can easily edit it into a blog post or incorporate it into your newsletter. If you've got some useful quotes, some nuggets of wisdom in there, these can be useful for your social media channels. So I hope I've convinced you that writing a release or a story outline is going to be a useful exercise for you. Let's look at what a release might look like. The most important piece, the headline and the opening line. Make it brief, make it compelling. Don't try and be too clever or funny unless you are genuinely hilarious. And if you're not sure if you're genuinely hilarious, then I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, you are not. Instead, summarise the key point or the takeaway of the story. And again, if you don't know what that is, then you still have work to do on the story itself. Keep the whole thing brief, no more than one side of A4. And my suggestion is always to use subheadings and bullet points so that you help a busy journalist to skim read it easily and fast. Do not waste a single word. Make every word of that release work for you. And that's really important if you're thinking about including quotes. No more than two and make sure that your quotes actually add some insight to the story, that they're not simply repeating what's already there. Make every word count. Now, there isn't time in the course of this episode to give you an entire training session on writing releases. These are just some careful pointers. But now that you've crafted a release or a story outline, here's another pointer. Don't send it to them as an email attachment. You're simply going to get caught in their spam filters. Instead, email the journalist and either cut and paste the release content into the email or keep it back and send it to them at the next step if they're interested in more information. So your email subject line is completely crucial. I've known lots of people give people like you the advice that you should never tell a journalist in the subject line what the email's actually about because they won't open it. I could not disagree more. Here's the thing. If you've tricked them into opening the email by pretending that it's about something other than a story idea or a pitch, how likely is it, do you think, that they will trust you to deliver a good story? 
how likely is it that they'll actually read the rest of that email when they realise that what you're actually doing is pitching a story to them? In my opinion, you want to make it clear in the subject line that this is a pitch or a story idea. You might even want to include the word pitch and then your brief summary of what your story is about. If your story is strong enough and you have got a decent enough headline or summary of that story and its key point, then a journalist who is always interested in a good story will take a look. So email the journalist, make it personal, dear John, dear Claire, dear Sally, never under any circumstances send a round robin email, even if you're emailing 25, 65, 105 journalists, never ever send a round robin email. Cardinal sin. And remember again, you have seconds to capture their attention. So make the first line of that email count. Don't waste it introducing yourself because with the best will in the world and not wishing to upset you, they don't care who you are. All they care about in this moment is, do you have a decent enough story for me? So use the first line of your email to summarise your story. Again, I don't have time to spend training you in this episode on the entirety of what you're going to put into that email. Those are just some useful pointers to get you started. Now, you might choose to prompt your selected journalist on social media if this is someone you've built some kind of relationship with or rapport with on Twitter, for example. You might choose to drop them a quick DM that says, by the way, I've just sent you over a really interesting story idea. Do let me know if you've got any questions. Or you might wait a few hours and then do the thing that everyone gets most scared about, pick up the actual phone and give them a ring radical idea, I know, but it does work. And this is where everyone bottles it, but not you, right? It's really simple. Pick up the phone, dial the number, and then tell them what you're calling about. Hi, John. I'm just calling about a story idea I sent you earlier on today. Do you have time to speak? Remember, PR is the ruthless application of common sense, combined with some simple consideration for the demands on a busy journalist's time. So tell them what you're calling about and be polite. Ask them if they have time to speak. If they say yes, get to the point quickly. If they say no, ask them when might be a good time. And whatever time they give you, you call them back at that time. Now, after that, the process should be relatively self-explanatory. If they're interested in your story, follow up, make sure you understand their deadlines and exactly what they're looking for. If the answer is no, then move on. If you've had no response or they've not answered their phone after a couple of attempts, move on. But don't take it personally. It's not about you. They're just busy. And maybe this story wasn't quite right for them. Maybe it wasn't a good enough story. Take the learning and move on. I really hope that this series, this little mini series of three episodes on PR has helped you. 
There are lots of people out there, many of them with very limited experience of actually doing PR, who are going to be happy to charge you thousands of pounds for PR training or thousands of pounds to do for you what honestly you can do for yourself in very little time every week. If nothing else, I hope that these three episodes on PR will help you to understand the basics of driving great media coverage so you can sort the real experts from the fake gurus and make informed decisions about who to work with. At best, I hope it's encouraged you to give PR a go. Either way, if you have any questions, you know where to find me because you're ready. And it's time to actually make a difference. Thank you for listening to the Actually Making a Difference podcast with me, Sarah Price. Come and join a community of purpose in our free and friendly Actually Making a Difference Facebook group. Because now that you're part of my world, you need never feel alone on this entrepreneurial journey. And you will always be welcome.